Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Dr. Robin Silverman. She is a child and teen development specialist and author of the USA Today bestseller, How to Talk to Kids About Anything, as well as the host of the popular podcast, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. You've probably seen Robin on shows like Today and Good Morning America, but one of her favorite places to be is riding on her front porch with her fuzzy rescue pooch Bentley by her side. Welcome, Robin. I'm so glad to be here. Really loved this book. It's a certainly timely time to be talking about how to talk to kids about anything. So we'll be talking about the tough things that we're talking about these days. But let's start with talking about why we have to do it. We know we have to do it. We don't want to do it. Ugh, like... Can we not? Let this cup pass from me. So let's start with the downside to not talking to kids about the tough stuff. Mm, So it turns out the research tells us that when we talk about the tough stuff with our kids, they're much less likely to engage in risky behavior. So that means that if we choose not to talk to them about the tough stuff, then the likelihood for them to get involved with risky behavior, all the things that we really wouldn't want them to do, it goes up. And we also know that if kids don't get the information from us, then the alternative is that they'll get it from somebody else. And you may not like who they get it from. Is it the boy in the back of the bus? Is it somebody's older brother or sister? Is it some TikToker? (laughs) We often reference... Amy would sit on the fire escape around the corner from school and be like, let me tell you a thing or two and lecture the other kids. It was, if you don't want them leaning, it was me. I was the birds and the bees (laughs) deliverer. I broke the news to many a fifth grader (laughs) and with wild misinformation, P.S. Like I was wrong about many, many things. That's the point, right? Like if you don't want it to be the wrong information and you want it to be like, oh, my kid needs it through this lens, then you've got to do it. How important is it that it comes from us as opposed to another trusted source? I was talking to my daughter, who's 11, about an assembly that they had had at school. And I was honestly like, oh, they're a little ahead of me here because they were talking about texting nudes, like kind of stuff that I would have thought. And she was being kind of funny about it, like, what kid would do that? But I thought, well, actually, I've heard this advice before. You got to do it early. I was kind of surprised to hear that they were talking about that stuff to, you know, early sixth graders. But I guess you got to do it. But I was like, well, I guess the school kind of took care of that. But I guess I have to do it myself, too? Question mark. (laughs) 
if you want them to have the information before they do it instead of after, then you have to talk to them early on. And no, it really feels a little icky. But also to your question, if you have other trusted sources, that's terrific. You know, you want to have the quote unquote village that can help. And I certainly do. You know, you're talking about like aunts, uncles, you know, really close friends. Absolutely. But you also want to be somebody who can say, I might not know all the answers, but I also want to talk to you about this. What do you feel about what you heard? Do you have any other questions? You can still be in there without knowing all the answers. So I want parents to realize that. I guess that's sort of a good door opening moment, right? I heard you talked about this at school and that surprised me, but I guess it is time to be talking about that. And what have you heard? It's the perfect door opener to... Easy for me to say, I realize. But we'll be like the first of, you made the same point that we heard in the Puberty Podcast book a couple of weeks back when we interviewed those hosts that it's not one and done. No, it's a series of little conversations along the way because people will say to me, oh, I don't need to talk to my kid about sex yet because there's like only 13, which actually is verbatim what I heard from somebody. And actually those conversations start extremely early. You think about body parts, consent, all those things that happen before you would get to the mechanics conversation, those start really, really early. Same with death or failure or any other very tough conversation. Yeah. And I think, and we've wrestled with this before, that it's hard. You don't want to introduce information necessarily that feels scary, but you also as you said, you don't know the day they're getting that information. And so it becomes really difficult. And I do think, you know, especially you you have little kids, you feel like your job is to shield them. But then, you know, you don't want to be like, hey, we're having a nice Tuesday, but you know, I could die unexpectedly. I don't know, like, it just feels like, so heavy and difficult to get there. But then people do die unexpectedly, or their friend's parent dies unexpectedly or expectedly. This stuff does happen. It's true. And these types of conversations are difficult. You think of your joyful child, you don't want to be introducing something so morbid. But that's our baggage about this information. So when we're talking about it, you might start with something like, the leaves falling off the tree, you know, the plant dying, the bug on the ground when you're walking in the park, it can be just part of the life cycle. Do you see that that bug is not moving? Do you know why he's not moving? And then go into when something dies, their body doesn't work anymore. They don't breathe. They don't eat. They don't feel any pain at all. Go right to the the area that you think might be of concern. And then when somebody's dog dies, you have something to stand on before you get to why Buddy the dog died or why somebody's grandparent died. You're starting from the early conversations, almost what I call pre-talks, so that they're front-loaded and they have a foundation. I just said to my husband the other day, it must have been easier when everyone lived on a farm. Like, you saw everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're friends with the pig, and then you ate the pig, and then somewhere in between, you killed the pig. Like, it just feels like, and sex and like so many things just happen in front of your eyes. You didn't have to be like, I'm going to bring this up today. Right. And it is our baggage, isn't it? I mean, there have been times, I have to admit, that 
you know, it's not, doesn't happen organically to your point before. And I, I, in my book, there is something that has been quoted back to me many times where I just walked up to the dinner table with my chicken parmesan and a side of, hey, you know, a study came out that said that the majority of kids see porn by the age of 11, have you? And it's like you had to get the words out as soon as possible so that I didn't go, no, no, I don't want to talk about that yet. So I was able to say it, but my kids were 11 and 12 at the time. And they were able to tell me, you know what? I Googled something, something popped up. I X'd out of it right away, but I didn't tell you because I was afraid I was going to get in trouble. To me, that's parenting gold. That's when they lob it up and you can talk about your values because behind the facts, you want to be able to say, I want you to come to me no matter what. You'll never get in trouble for talking to me about difficult topics. That's what I'm here for. And you absolutely would not get in trouble for that happening. What I want you to do is come to me and say, this happened. What could I do to make sure that doesn't happen? And here's why this is important. Here's why we don't want to look at those images. Here's what it does to the brain. So it provides an in. And sometimes you do need to just rip off the Band-Aid. Well, there was a bit of research in the book that really surprised me and was sort of welcome news that when kids are asked, do you want your parents to talk to you about things like porn? I would assume that they'd be like, no, never. That and you report in the book that kids sort of say like, yes, I wish they did talk to me about suicide, sex, porn, you know, things that were like the last thing we want to talk about, the things they wish they could talk about with us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I, I think that it is sometimes surprising for parents to hear it. But then in retrospect, if we think back, like, don't we wish that somebody talked to us about some of the topics that we didn't know about when we were got into situations with a sexual situation, or we heard about a suicide, we had many of us had no template, no information about these kinds of things. And now we have this gift of time to be able to talk to our kids about these tough topics. And then our kids get the actual information. They want to feel prepared. They want to be savvy. They don't want to be in the dark and go to a party and then all of a sudden somebody offers them a drink and they don't know what to say. My daughter actually talked to me in the car very recently. She's 14 and said, so if I was ever in a situation where I was at a party and people were drinking and not now, but maybe like in the future and then I was drinking, would you just be so mad? Would you be just so furious? That's the time that you can insert those values and say, you know what, I'm going to be consistent here. You know how I feel about underage drinking, but here's what I really would want you to know in this situation. I'd want you to call me day or night, three o'clock in the morning, three towns away and tell me, can you come and pick me up? Because my main concern would be your safety and your wellness and the, that you feel comfortable. And you should always feel that you can come to me. You would never get in trouble for asking for help. Mm, I have a reflection about that. Let's take a break. We are talking to Dr. Robin Silverman, and we will be right back. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses, first two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. 
Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say? and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is... Toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code motherhood at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code motherhood for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. I think it is often surprising. I had this experience myself as a child where I was not a popular kid. I wasn't doing a lot of stuff. And then I was at a sleepover, suddenly ended up at like a popular kid party. And I knew all the values and I knew all the rules. And the next thing I knew, I was like driving a bunch of lacrosse players to get liquor because I just did not have any ability to handle the situation. And it's not because I thought it was a good idea. <laughs> or I was having fun. I was just so 
overwhelmed. And we had a funny little incident the other night where our cat was outside and my son heard what he thought was a coyote and he was worried about the cat. And we finally woke up to him like hemming and hawing in the little hallway that leads into our bedroom about whether or not he should wake us up. But he was so scared to wake us up. And I was so surprised by that. And I think my parents would have been so surprised that I, the minute I walk into a party and some cute lacrosse player was like, take my keys, you're driving us to alcohol. And I was like, okay, I don't have a license, but I guess I will. That we have one relationship with our kids, but our kids see us as scary and unapproachable in a way that I think is hard for us to calculate. And I, it was kind of lucky that that happened because we had to sit down the next morning. I said, listen, this thing came up last night you know if you wake me up to ask me where you left your Nintendo, I'm going to yell at you. But you can always wake me up if you're scared or nervous. Like, I was so surprised I had to say that. It felt really sort of sad and surprising to me that my kid was really wanting to wake me up to say he was afraid a coyote was eating our cat, but he was too scared of me to do it. Like, is there a way to bridge that gap? And I don't know. I was unpleasantly surprised. I think that's such a good realization that kids need to hear things over and over again, just to punctuate the point, whether it's you can wake me up or you can pick me up or whatever it is that is a concern. They're doing a check. They're testing you and they want to see, are you consistent across the board? So if I happen upon porn by accident, you're telling me that I wouldn't get in trouble for telling you. If I wind up at a party where there's drinking, you're telling me I wouldn't get in trouble for asking for help. If I wake you up in the middle of the night, I'm not going to get in trouble for asking for help. These are those perfect parenting moments that are lobbed up that often we just pshaw, oh, put that. you know, we don't even think about, you know what I would say about that. But they really do need to hear it. And over time, they need to hear it. So we say it when they're three, we say it when they're seven, they say it when they're 10, they're 15, and they keep saying it, you would never get in trouble for asking for help. Kids need to know that from a variety of sources. We know that young people don't feel like they have at least three key adults to come to in a time of need or challenge. So that's on parents to reinforce that information, but also aunts, uncles, grandparents, whomever else who are listening, you're also really integral in being able to say, you can come to me. And if you're scared to come to your parents, I want to be the one you come to next because I'm a trusted source. I can remember being, you know, the teenager in that situation or imagine myself being the teenager in that situation. Like, well, I'm probably not supposed to drink this and I'm not sure how I'm going to get home, but my parents would never that it would be too much for them to understand that I was in this situation. They'd be so disappointed in me for being in this situation that I can't go to them, that they're too innocent almost to handle this situation. And so I need to protect them by not telling them what's going on. And so sometimes maybe that's the reason that we're the last to know what's going on with our kids. Right. I mean, I think that a lot of kids, they even tell my daughter, like, I don't feel like I can go to my parents and often are very wide eyed to find out what she feels like she can tell me. It's just showing up again and again, saying those same things. I'm here to listen. And also, I'm not going to be lecturing. We move from lecturer to listener so that our kids feel heard. We're not going to just talk at them. We're going to ask them, how do you feel? What do you think about this? And refrain from pushing an agenda, which is from our perspective, because we want to know what do you think from your perspective, from your experience, and 
can I give you some advice here from my perspective? And then open up a, a dialogue. A conversation is between two or more people. That doesn't mean that it's going to be some kind of mental soliloquy that we're giving and just pontificating to our kid about, oh, well, you can't drink at a party. Yes, that may be the a value that you have. But if that's the only thing you say in that moment, you've missed the opportunity to bridge that gap, as you were saying, and connect through conversation. And then I think sometimes there's a barrier in terms of consequences that we want to have consequences for behavior but that we don't want to reinforce to kids that if they bring us things that we're going to be mad at them. And then this also comes up often with secret keeping. Like if I can tell you something, will you promise not to repeat it? And I feel that I have to say, well, not if somebody's in danger or or there's something, you know, how do you bridge that gap between wanting to be a trusted adult, but feeling an obligation to either keep boundaries or not keep dangerous secrets? Mm, Well, the dangerous secrets, like I've been very open with my own kids. And I would say, I, I say this in the book as well, that we need to be very open with our kids and say, listen, if I ever feel that you are in danger or somebody else is in danger, then that's going to be my main interest is to keep people safe. So I'm not going to check your phone on a day-to-day basis, for example, but if ever I think that somebody's in danger, I'm checking your phone. I say it like straight out. I don't feel like there's any, you know, going around things. I don't want to be sneaking. In the same way, my kids know if there's anybody that's in danger, we're going to deal with that right away. And you may be feeling like you want to protect your child. Loyalty is a very funny thing that we've talked about where when we're loyal to somebody, we absolutely want to keep their secrets safe if they're safe for them. But if they're not the most loyal thing you can do to a friend because you are a friend first is to make sure they're safe. So the dialogue has to morph for that. And they usually really do understand it. But again, it's a time for pre-talks where you can say this in advance. You have a foundation so that when it does happen, you have something to fall back on. Even if people are listening and saying, well, I really, this, I didn't know to have this. So now we're in this situation Your kids are savvy and they know that in the moment, it may feel like a real pinch to release a secret. This friend of mine has an eating disorder. This friend of mine is thinking about ending their life. Yeah, they've been sworn to secrecy, but how will they feel five days from now, five months from now, five years from now, if they kept a secret that would end tragically? So Robin, this book is longer than I expected. It's 400 pages. It's a long book. And it's because you cover the waterfront on not just the sort of obvious things we've been talking about, the things we really don't want to talk to our kids about, but really have to. But there are other things in here as well that are all based on sort of the questions you got most often from parents. So tell us some of the other topics that are included along Mm. the way. Well, friendship and bullying, because I was bullied as a child. So that was one of the ones that I really wanted to get in there. Mistakes and failure is we live in a perfectionistic culture. We have got to talk about that. We've got a pre-talk. We got a post-talk. We got to talk about it during. 
And I also talk about money, how to talk to kids about money. We know that kids often don't have a foundation of how to talk about money. They don't know how to deal with it. And if we don't talk about it, then they go off to college or onward after college, or they go off to work and they don't know what to do with money. So those are three examples of things that we haven't talked about yet. Big feelings. We It's so important these days with anxiety and depression and understanding you can express your feelings. So yes, sex, death, porn, all of those, but all of these other smaller topics. And by the way, the book would have been an anthology if I let it. It could have been even longer. So much to say about everything. So much. We're talking to Robin Silverman, author of the new bestseller, How to Talk to Kids About Anything. And we'll be right back. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now, Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Robin, this seems like too well-timed an episode on how to talk to kids about anything to talk about, to not talk about how do we talk to them about what's going on right now in Israel and Gaza and children being killed, children being kidnapped. It's a lot to hold. And I was hoping that you could give our listeners your expert advice and sort of ages and stages. How do we help them wrap their heads around this time? It's a very tough topic. And to be honest, it's one of those topics that's hard for adults to understand. So how is it that we're supposed to be giving advice to our kids? Really, it's more of a conversation about what happens when there's conflict. So for young kids, they may be starting to hear about things. And when we say, I'm not going to mention anything, then they are very likely to hear it from another person. And they may find out that there's something going on and they think it's really close to home. Somebody came to me today and said that very same thing. So we need to make sure that they see where is this happening? Take out your globe, take out a map, 
show them where it's happening and where you're located so that they understand that it's not right here and that we're not in imminent danger right now. Also ask them what they've heard. Taking that temperature question is really important. You want to know where to start. So when a child uh, comes to you and says, I heard something's going on, you might say, what did you hear is going on? Then you can correct any misinformation right off the bat. You also know your child best. And so you also know how sensitive they are. Putting up images and having a, all the news on is not a good way for kids to receive information unless they're the kind of person where you're sitting with them and you're watching a news station you know is not going to show them very sensitive information. So something that is put out for kids online to help explain the situation. Maybe they're very visual. Maybe they do want to see a little report, but you have a trusted source in mind before. So make sure you shut off that rotating, constant information stream in your house because your kid needs to hear this stuff from you, not from others. And getting graphic is never going to be the right way to talk to kids about what's going on. If they are wanting to get more information, you should be honest. There are people who are dying. And there's also people who are trying to save lives. These are the people, as you hear, let's look for the helpers. Make sure they know who's trying to help. And around the clock, there are people who are working towards helping people be safe and get medical attention. We also can be the helpers. There are marches. There are ways that we can send supplies. Mom and dad put went to a blood bank. Whatever it is that you personally can do so that they feel like they're contributing in some way. Otherwise, many people can feel very helpless. Yeah, I think that the one thing I notice about this situation is I have older kids, teens and tweens, and it's the first time that I've had to have a conversation with them about like, while you're scrolling or it's tick, my, my kids are not on TikTok, but I mean, it's in the groundwater, right? They're seeing on a YouTube shorts, whatever else. It's a time where you have to be really conscientious of your social media use. Like there's images and other things that are floating around that you're probably not ready to see. You don't want to see, and they're going to be upsetting. So that's another thing. We're much less, I mean, when I was young, you could not turn on the five o'clock news or turn it off before a segment. And that was it. That was the one source of information coming into the house. Now it's coming like through the walls, you know, it's on every app. And I think that, again, a situation I didn't necessarily want to bring up, but I found myself saying, hey, you haven't heard about this yet. I think it happened. Maybe it began on like a Friday. We were into the weekend and I said, we need to sit down and have a conversation about this because I want you to be much more careful on your phones right now. And you're going to start hearing about it on Monday at school. And there may be, and it's not because they're terrible people. It's because they're curious. People who have seen things that they want to call you over and share. Like you have to really put some guards up right now around the images that you are allowing into your sphere it's a little bit easier with little kids, but when you're dealing with teenagers, it's very hard to keep this stuff out, I think. 
I want to highlight what you're saying, because that is a very good point. When I have tweens and teens as well, and I feel that it's incredibly important to say you can be in control of what you see. You don't have to be a mindless recipient of what's going on. And also to your point that people will be hearing things at school or otherwise, and some people will disagree with the values or what we are saying here in our households. And let's talk about what do you feel is right? And what will you do if somebody says something challenges you in this way or says something really negative about somebody else in your class because of who they are or their culture? Let's make sure that you have what you're going to do in that situation. Are you going to walk away? Are you going to stand up for your friend? Are you going to go get some help from an administrator? How do you want to handle this? Because we certainly don't want people attacked who are our friends and get that out in the open because we all can be allies in different ways. And many of us can't stay silent, but at the same time, you don't want to be saying things that make things that much worse. You want to make sure that we're just not having really negative interactions that make our friends or ourselves feel belittled and completely unable to operate in a school system because we don't feel safe. So let's go back to the good stuff, (laughs) the warm and fuzzy stuff, because there are reasons that these conversations are worth the discomfort, right? Not only for the information we're imparting, but to get through it because they change our relationship with our kids, as you point out in the book. So tell us how that can start to happen. When we connect through conversation, our children know that they can come to us during the time when you see that kids are tweens and teens, especially where they're supposedly individuating and that's natural and normal for them to be pulling away. They still need accurate information. So you can become very much a lifeline for them to get the information that they need in order for them to go out on their own. You want to start early opening up that door so that each time your child is in a situation where they don't know what to do, they're not thinking, I'm going to get in trouble if I say anything, but rather my parents will know just what to do or I can't wait to talk to my parents about this. You being that trusted source, you know how your child receives the information best. You know they're getting the information that they really need and that's accurate and also has your values and helps them to develop theirs. They're not blindly receiving information and just accepting it. You're asking them, how do you feel? Let's talk about it. And maybe you might even be saying, You've changed my perspective about this. Kids know a lot more about uh, things than we do in their own world. And we really need to open up our ears and hear them out. Because when we can say, hey, I want to hear what you have to say, our children feel like a new connection with us. They're no longer just, oh, my parents are the sages. They can learn something from me. They value what I think. And that can go a very long way with creating a very strong lifelong connection. Oh, that's such a good point. Robin, tell us about your podcast. Oh, thank you. So 
In 2017, I started How to Talk to Kids About Anything. And the reason why I started it is because I wanted to write a book that was founded on all the kinds of interviews with best-selling authors and top experts that I can get. But instead of keeping all of those to myself and just interviewing for the book, I put them out as a podcast so people could really benefit from them. The way I think about my podcast is me providing the full child development pie, all the different areas that we need to talk to kids about tough topics from sex to death to failure to money and and everything beyond. And all the people who come on, these experts and best-selling authors, they provide the very deep slices of that pie, the very strong research perspective experience that allows us to really expand our minds. So by the end of the podcast, and then by the end of listening to this every week, we really have a very expansive set of knowledge and skills, strategies, tips scripts that we can use with our kids. It's like a master class in how to talk to kids about anything. We've been talking to Robin Silverman. Her new book, bestseller, is also called How to Talk to Kids About Anything. We'll put the link to the podcast and the book in the show notes. Robin, tell our listeners where else they can find you on the internet. You can come to see me at drrobinsilverman.com. And I'm also on Facebook under Dr. Robin Silverman, Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And I know we're still doing X. That's under <laughs> Dr. Robin. Yeah, no Silverman after that. And I would be so excited to hear about what you think and what's going on in your family. So please get in touch. We'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Robin, thanks for talking to us today. Thank you. This was a great conversation. It was so great talking to you today. Thank you for having me. Hi there. I'm Andrea Owen, self-help author with 19 translations of my books, global keynote speaker, and life coach. My podcast, Make Some Noise, has been serving up self-help in a simple-to-digest way for the last decade. The topics brought in each episode are practical and easy to implement around topics such as working through fears that keep you stuck, different modalities of therapy, managing your negative self-talk, and more. We bring you guest experts, solo episodes, and I even coach listeners on the air around relatable struggles. I also do my best to weave my sense of humor into some heavy topics because let's face it, life can be pretty hard and it's so much better when we can have some fun while walking through our challenges. Whether you're seasoned in personal development or just starting out, Make Some Noise podcast will help you become the best version of yourself, the person you're proud of when you look in the mirror and show up in your life. Simply search Make Some Noise with Andrea Owen wherever you listen to your podcasts. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.